Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling. You are listening to the Hustle Points NBA show. I am uh, not unusual by Tom Jones, Rudy St. Clair, and today I'm going to be talking about a lot of Grizzlies stuff, so fair warning, if you don't like the Grizzlies, uh, I don't know what's wrong with you, but if you do, you're in luck, because we will be discussing lots and lots of Memphis today, but as usual, we got a little bit of national news as well, and that is what we will start off with. First things first, we have the return of the best player in the league. Stephen Curry last night, uh, he and the Warriors, who stand absolutely no chance of making the playoffs. I'm not sure if they're mathematically eliminated, but they are definitely not going to make it. Steph coming back, being as good as he is, is not going to uh, bring them there. Yeah, the Warriors are 14 and 49 right now. Uh, been low-key the worst team in basketball. I mean, I suppose people are aware of it. You don't really hear about people clowning the Warriors to the degree that you hear about people clowning, say, oh, I don't know, the Knicks. But the Knicks have earned it, right? Warriors is kind of a new thing. It's kind of a fluke. We all know that they're going to be incredible in less than a year now when next season starts up. So no one really gives the Warriors any shit. So when I say they're quietly the worst team in the league, I do mean it. They really are. Uh, Not to mention they have Andrew Wiggins, in case you've forgotten about that. Uh, But in his return last night, Stephen Curry had 23 points, 7 assists, and 6 rebounds in just 27 minutes. Uh, Let's see here. What other info can we get on Steph? If you hear that background noise, as usual, you can uh, credit it to my chinchilla. Uh, He got a new cage recently. It's actually much quieter and larger than the old one. So if you uh, enjoy my chinchilla's background noise, then let me know on Twitter at NBA underscore Rudy, where you can tell me I clearly don't know basketball. And also be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube. Uh, right now, the podcasts are not being uploaded to YouTube. I know I had a few of you reach out asking me where it was, uh, but it's only been in the podcast feed as of late. Uh, because I want to be able to upload to YouTube with consistency and have a near uniformity in how long the videos that go on the channel are. So I want all of my podcast episodes to be around the same uh, 20 to 40 minute mark. But I also want the videos that I upload to that channel uh, to be a similar length. All that's coming up. I just got to get through this semester in college where I gave myself a maximum course load. <laughs> it's uh, It has been a ride, let me tell you what, now that we're about halfway through and midterms are happening. It is getting very real. But you don't care about my college life. You care about the NBA and and the storylines in it. So let me get back to Steph. Uh, Last night, again, 27 minutes, 23 points, 7 assists, and 6 rebounds. Uh, He was a minus 13 in the game as they lost to Toronto. And uh, he shot 6 of 16, 37.5%. 3 of 12 from 3. Made his free throws, 8 of 8. I did not watch, in case you can't tell by me going to basketball reference to to get the stats, Uh, but I figured it is obligatory of me to let you know that that happened yesterday. The best player in the league is back on his team. However, they are uh, the worst team in the league. Are they still the worst team in the league? 
even with Steph Curry on the team. I say no chance. I mean, the the Knicks are absolutely a worse roster. Just, just not even close. Who the hell is the Knicks' best player? Mitchell Robinson? I mean, he's a worthwhile player, but nowhere near on the level of Stephen Curry. Uh, moving on, the Grizzlies, we're going to talk a little bit about them in a minute. But one more national story is Nurkic. Yusuf Nurkic is coming back on March 15th against the Houston Rockets. Uh, they're getting their their big heavy center back against a team which has nobody over six and a half feet tall on it, basically. So very good game for Nurk to come back in. Let's see what his output was looking like last year towards the end of the season because although his numbers are not super flashy, people do really respect Nurk and his game. And when he went down, it was considered a devastating. Inez Cantor stepping up last year in the playoffs was uh, unexpected and really not at all what what people thought would happen when Yusuf Nurkic went down. They expected, oh, our, our rebounding defensive big man has gone down. We're not going to have anyone to protect the paint. But turns out Inez Cantor, when he tries, is a worthwhile player, evidently. But he is not always going to put in that consistent effort on defense. But Yusuf Nurkic, towards the end of last year, was having an incredible season, really. I mean, in the last game he played, he went 13-24 from the floor, uh, had 32 points, as well as 16 rebounds and 5 assists, 2 steals and 4 blocks, just 1 turnover. I mean, he's a plus 12, plus 4 the previous game, plus 25 the previous game. I just think it's funny overall that use of Nurkic coming back is more consequential and ultimately just matters more right now than the best player in the league coming back. I mean, you try to wrap your mind around that. It sounds absurd on the surface, but if you know the circumstances surrounding the league, then it makes instant sense. Portland's super happy to have him back. Portland are right on the tail of Memphis and everyone else is chasing the eighth seed like New Orleans and San Antonio. Really, though, if we're being perfectly frank, uh, there's not really much of a chance for San Antonio to get there. I mean, a uh, shout out to Keith at Fast Break Breakfast. He tweeted this out earlier today. If we assume that the Grizzlies are going to go about mm, 9 and 11 for the remainder of the season, today is March 6th. Uh, we are currently 31 and 31. And if we go 9 and 11 for the remainder of the season and are a, uh, a 39 win team, that's where we go six and four on the road and three and seven on, excuse me, six and four at home and three and seven on the road is uh, where Keith at Fast Break Break on Twitter uh, is projecting us to go, just based on his best guesstimate, you know. In order to tie the Grizzlies, these four teams would need to finish with these records. Uh, the Blazers would need to finish 12 and seven, the Kings 13 and seven, the Spurs 14 and eight. And the Pelicans, 14 and 6. Now, people worry about the Pelicans first and foremost because arguably they have the most talent. Trailblazers have Damian Lillard, who's a top 10 NBA player, hands down for sure. If not, at the very least, a top three point guard in this league. Uh, for no, no question about it in my mind. Well, I mean, there's so many point guards in this league. And what, uh, what is a point guard anymore? Look, Damian Lillard's incredibly talented. That's all I got to say. CJ McCollum, also incredibly good. But when you look at the absolute top end of the rosters, you could argue that Zion is already better than CJ McCollum. 
Uh, Lonzo Ball is playing fantastic this year. He's making a fair amount of threes on a decent percentage, uh, shooting above NBA average. And uh, Brennan Ingram is having an all-star caliber season in which he actually did, in fact, make the all-star game. When you break down the roster, you would think that perhaps the Pelicans are the team to watch out for. Now, let's look at their schedule for the remainder of the season. Can they pick up six or more losses? Uh, Let's see. We have them hosting the Heat today. Getting the Heat are good. Going to Minnesota Sunday. Yeah, they could win that one. The Kings is a big matchup for the playoff race. A couple days later, Jazz, Clippers, Hawks, Spurs, a couple games against the Grizzlies, the Kings again, the Knicks, the Magic, the Wizards, the Hawks, the Spurs, the Hornets, the Sixers, the Suns, the Wizards, and the Spurs again. I mean, the Pelicans have a much easier schedule than the Grizzlies. You want to hear the Grizzlies' schedule? I can pick out six games of those Pelicans games in which they're maybe not likely to lose, but could foreseeably lose. Let's say the Heat today, for example. Uh, The Jazz. The Clippers. One of the Spurs. One of the Grizzlies. One of the Kings. And then maybe the Sixers? That that would be enough to, to put them at seven. You compare that to the Grizzlies schedule, which, uh, quite frankly, after this uh, week is over, this this next little stretch of games, we only have one team where we're likely to win, uh, in my opinion. Otherwise, it's all a bunch of comparably good or better teams. Uh, but these next three games are, are easiest, other than the Knicks. But we got the Mavs today, the Hawks tomorrow, and then the Magic on Tuesday. After that, it gets very serious. We have the Blazers on Thursday, then the Jazz, Spurs, Thunder, Bucks, Pels, Pels again, Celtics, Raptors, Raptors again, the Knicks, as I mentioned, the Mavericks again, the Blazers again, Nuggets, the Thunder again, the Sixers, and the Rockets. I mean, that's just such a tough schedule. I can't envision us winning most of those games. I just can't do it. I mean, we're really, really good, but so are a lot of these teams. That's why this most recent stretch that's just occurred is so important, especially in the context of the injuries that happened in the end of February. I mean, pardon me for just transitioning straight into Grizz stuff, out of the uh, out of the playoff race stuff. Look, Nurkic is important. The, the Blazers are right on our tails, but they're the biggest threat relative uh, to the Spurs and the Kings and the Pelicans. Those are the, the four teams chasing the Grizzlies right now for that eighth spot. Uh, I was super worried when we got our injuries. Uh, we were a, a losing team at the time. Uh, we've only been at 500 uh, once all year, uh, but other than right now, I should say. Uh, but we were we were losing after we had just gotten so high. I mean, in the beginning of February, everything was so good. Everything was so, so good. But then we had the All-Star break, and then we came back from it, had, a, had some losses, and then, bam, Jaren got hurt. And oh no, we, we almost never win with Jaren. And I mean almost never. We've won one game this season prior to March, 
without uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. or John Morant, one of the two. And the one was when there was no jaw. We prior to March, we had literally not won a game without Jaron Jackson Jr. this season. Without either one of Ja or Jaron Jackson, we had a 13-point loss against Milwaukee, a 14-point loss against Utah, 7-point loss against Chicago, 13-point loss against Indiana, all in succession, uh, which were following a, uh, a Dylan Brooks attack on Minnesota, as he normally does. Uh, so if you don't count that as like a, sort of like a wash, like an anomaly, we basically lost nine or ten games straight, depending on how you want to count the Dylan Brooks win against Minnesota. It was way back in uh, the end of November going into December. Uh, November 19th through 30th, we lost six consecutive games. Our longest streak of the season, which we almost matched should LeBron not have uh, thrown the game against us a couple Saturdays ago. I mean, the plus minus in that game was really weird where LeBron had a negative plus minus and the bench was, was very positive. It made it seem as if LeBron was quite literally throwing the game against us and Ja dominated that game. My favorite part about that whole little thing was when LeBron commented on something that happened to him, which was unexpected. See, a week prior to LA visiting Memphis, Memphis had visited LA and LeBron being LeBron did a thing that he does sometimes evidently where he either sends a jersey to a promising young player uh, the first time they match up or he signs a jersey and sends it to him something like that either way a jersey is sent to a promising young player in the first matchup so Ja receives the LeBron jersey after losing to the Lakers in LA after Ja Morant defeats LeBron in Memphis a week or two later he then returns the favor and sends his own jersey. So LeBron sent a LeBron jersey to Jaw, and Jaw sends back a Jaw jersey a couple weeks later after he uh, exchanges the favor of handing him a loss. And man, I just think that is so badass. Just the mentality, the type of competitive psychopath that you have to be to be a big dog in the NBA, like Ja Morant obviously is is just so fascinating to me. To be in that sort of hyper-competitive psyche is something very foreign to me personally, so I just find it fascinating. I couldn't imagine having LeBron honor me in some way and be like, hey, I'm LeBron, here's a little trinket for you to remember me by the first time we matched up or whatever. And then for me to be like, oh, bet, LeBron, you need to remember the first time you lost to me, so here's my jersey. I just, I could not imagine that. I think it's badass. And so after Jaron went down, we went on a five game losing streak. It would have been six should the Lakers had actually won like they were capable of. But following that, we entered the most important stretch of the season, in my opinion, because it predates these incredibly tough two months of half of March and all of April, where we only play one bad team. And that is the Knicks. <laughs> Shout out to ASAP Loaf. Fortunately, we managed to beat Atlanta and the Nets. The Nets especially was surprising because we defeated them so handily. Um, I, I did not expect us to fucking stomp the Nets, but we held them to 79 points, which is unheard of in today's NBA. 
Atlanta is a bad team, so you kind of expect us to beat the shit out of them pending an explosion out of their core. But the Nets, we we pounded the Nets, and I'm very satisfied with that pounding. However, I am still afraid because in addition to having no Triple J, we have no Brandon Clark right now. They both were determined to need to be reevaluated in two weeks after they were injured, and they were injured within a couple of days of each other. It has now been about a week and a half since those injuries, so they should be reevaluated soon. But in the meantime, we're seeing players like Jordan Bell get minutes, who we acquired uh, for Bruno Caboclo at the trade deadline. Uh, he had no action in the two game window before the injuries and after the All Star break. And then once Jaron went down, we started to experiment with Jordan Bell a little bit. We started to insert uh, Yuta and Conchar into the lineup a little bit. And Josh Jackson, Josh Jackson in his 15 games has been playing exceptional. His numbers haven't changed much over the course of his career. He's still looking like basically the same player. But it's just the context which he is playing in and his comfort in that role gives me a lot more uh, optimism regarding Josh Jackson. It seems like he is comfortable being a secondary or even tertiary ball handler where he's expected to cut to the basket, play defense, knock down threes on occasion. That's one notable thing about Josh Jackson is that he is shooting notably more threes. Uh, I believe it's at nearly double the clip, which he was doing previously in his career before showing up to Memphis. Uh, but now, after spending a little bit of time dominating the G League and uh, getting called up to Memphis, I was at the Fast Break Breakfast Grizz Nashville watch party for that first game, which Jaron Jackson was out. Or not first game, the second game, which Jaron Jackson was out at all, all season. Much, a little bit earlier, about a month ago. I was there watching that. That was when Josh Jackson got his first bit of playing time. And since then, he hasn't let up. He's been playing well. Like I said, the numbers don't really reflect any sort of major improvement beyond uh, volume and three-point scoring. But trust me when I say you watch Josh Jackson play, and he brings a certain energy to the court, which is uh, very, 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 very valuable, in my opinion, out of your ninth or tenth man. Uh, a guy who can come in and make threes, play defense, and bring you energy off the bench for 18, 20 minutes a game. That's 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 someone to keep around. You know, uh, maybe not for the price tag, which he demands next year, as I believe it would be his fourth year and thus the final year of his rookie deal, where it's a uh, significantly more loaded on that final year. Uh, however, after the first three years, the team acquires what is called bird rights. And after Larry Bird, if you don't know this, um, then you're welcome. If you do, I'm sorry. Uh, but after the first three years of a player being on a team that team acquires their bird rights and after Larry Bird, which allows them to go over the salary cap uh, by re-signing that player, uh, but only by re-signing that player. So even if the Grizzlies decline that fourth year team option. Hello, future Rudy here. Editor's note. Josh Jackson's fourth year team option was declined upon arrival. So he is a free agent this summer then we still have the ability to bring back josh jackson without eating into what little cap space we have now since we decided to use this trade deadline to absorb the contract of justice winslow uh instead of to uh overpay jalen brown or some crap or you know i know jalen brown's off the market now but now we have justice uh josh jackson actually you know 
Fuck it, just sign Josh Jackson to the one year. Hello, it's Future Rudy again. Just to make another editor's note, we can't do that because we didn't do that. But we can bring him back. Just overpay him for a season because we're not going to do anything with that salary anyway. Look, I'm not a smart GM. I wanted to bring in Andrew Wiggins with the Mike Conley uh, trade exception. And you know what the Grizzlies brought in instead of Andrew Wiggins? Uh, allow me to to pay pay a visit to our, our good friends at Fast Break Breakfast. You know, honestly, I should just rename this uh, podcast Reading at Fast Break Break because, uh, frankly, that's what a lot of this episode is, just going down the Fast Break Break Twitter. Shout out to everyone on the Slack who listens to the show. Quote, the hashtag Grizzlies got Brandon Clark, DeAnthony Melton, Justice Winslow, Actually, I remember, it's not Justice, it's Justice. I need to correct myself now that he's on my team. Justice Winslow, Josh Jackson, Grayson Allen. He wrote Josh Jackson twice. Uh, 2021 first with protections from Utah. A top four protection on a 2024 pick from Golden State. A 2020 second round pick from Phoenix. And a heavily protected 2021 second round pick for Royce O'Neal's backup, who is Mike Conley. The slander. The slander, Keith. Keith, you can't do that. You can't do that. But anyways, over that five-game losing streak following the Triple J and Brandon Clark injuries, it was basically not really uh, terribly too eventful. We uh, have each loss being able to be explained. Uh, The first loss was when Jaron was actually hurt. So a little bit of dismay there. Uh, the the Lakers, just mostly free throws, an issue of getting them and then an issue of making them. Uh, but hey, you know, take the L's. That's where uh, Ja received that jersey. And then we had the Clippers where we had the worst first quarter ever. And then we just adjusting to the lineup. Lots, lots of, lots of movement going on when you have such a, such a bad first quarter the rest of the game tends to become a lot more experimental. And then the Rockets, we just have no one to stop rest of the rim when our only center is Jonas Valanciunas, and he has cement in his shoes at all times. And then again, it was the Kings. So, whatever. Fortunately, we had that three-game win streak. I hope it continues today. Looking ahead, there are five big Grizzlies games to watch. Uh, It is March 12th, roughly a week from now, at Portland, March 16th at San Antonio, the 21st versus New Orleans Pelicans, uh, where the Grizz Nashville is actually taking a bus to that game. Uh, If you're in Nashville, uh, first of all, I um, hope you're doing well and that everyone around you is doing well. God, those storms are scary, man. Um. But if you want to go see a Grizzlies game, uh, check out grizzlies.com slash go Nashville. We'll sign up, go to a, uh, a bus there. And uh, again, we go to New Orleans three days later, March 24th. And then to kick off the final five games of the season, we have April 5th at Portland. So we got at Portland, at San Antonio, New Orleans at home, at New Orleans, at Portland. These are all critical games because they're all winnable games. They're all games against teams who we need to lose 
in order to help secure a spot in the eighth seed. So these are the five most critical games. After that, the final four games of the year are at Denver versus OKC versus Philly and at Houston. Those are four tough games. And if we have to win one of them in order to get to, into the playoffs for sure, I think we can do it. If we have to win two, I think it's less likely, but I think we can. I don't think we can win three of those games. I just don't. Those are four really good teams. But Portland, San Antonio, and New Orleans are all all on our level and all have matchups against us. They're chasing us. We need to keep them off our tail. So thank you for listening. I I know this is um, a little bit more of a chaotic episode. Things are going to find their rhythm here on HP sooner rather than later. I have a pretty loyal following uh, for people on my level in this community, I think. So I'm very grateful for you all. Keep uh, reaching out. Again, follow me on Twitter at NBA underscore Rudy. And uh, also follow at Hustle NBA. I'm going to start publishing episode clips and the the actual promotional tweets for the episodes there. So follow at Hustle NBA. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Just keep us keep